Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. Uh, today we're going to be covering Chapter 21 of the Teachings of the Doctrine of Eternal Lives. The title of this chapter is Servants Who May Be Instances of God's Condescension. <laughs> King David of Israel. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life, in thy presence is the fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Psalms chapter 16 verses 10 through 11. The author states, how could David know that there is a fullness of joy at the right hand of God? Is David trying to tell us something about himself? I think that the author is trying to make a, a, a connection between David going into the depths of hell because of his sin with Jesus Christ, who did that as well. Um, and I'm going to talk about that in just a minute, but I'll, I'll continue on. Other than I would add my own thoughts that David knew these things because the veil was thin for him. He was a prophet and he understood the doctrine of eternal lives uh, more so than the Bible clearly states. But remember, there are mysteries within the scriptures that you need revelation to understand. Anyway, continuing on with the scriptures here. This is King David. For great is thy mercy towards me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. Psalms 86 verse 13. Remember that Joseph Smith taught that Christ had ascended up on high, as also he descended below all things, in that he contemplated all things, that he might be in all and through all things the light of truth, doctrine and covenants, section 88, verse 6. How could God descend below all things unless he had been delivered from the lowest hell as David taught? David sought repentance of the hand of God carefully with tears for the murder of Uriah, but he could only get it through hell. He got a promise that his soul should not be left in hell, and that's according to the prophet Joseph Smith as recorded in the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 339. Now remember, the conclusion of the author, I believe, is that David is the condescension, if I could say that word right, of God come on the earth because he believes in multiple mortal probation or eternal lives within this sphere or this world. Um, God revealed to me after I had studied out a, a really good case of reincarnation. It was very compelling. And based on that, and also knowing that there is a place for reincarnation or something like it within the Hebrew scriptures, I thought maybe, um, maybe reincarnation was a true doctrine. And I actually believe that it probably was. But I didn't just trust in the scriptures, and I didn't just trust in the sayings of, of Joseph Smith or anyone else, I took it to God and I laid out the case before God and I said, you know, you say if you lack wisdom, ask 
God ask you, and you will give it to me freely. And I want to know if this doctrine is correct. And what what happened was I explained everything and I said, Heavenly Father, I believe that this is true doctrine. I, I believe that this individual who is talking about this reincarnation, that he really did get reincarnated. And this, this child was this man who died on this aircraft carrier. If you've watched my uh, some of my other videos, I talk about this more in detail. I'm not going to go through it today. But, but after I asked God this, I noticed that the spirit withdrew from me. And I was left to the stupor of thought. And I realized that the thing that I believed was incorrect. And I said, Heavenly Father... Can you please help me understand these things? And first of all, God told me that that child who remembered those things that that other individual who had died in World War II went through, that that child was a ministering spirit for that person. And he remembered those things because he was there, but he was not the one who was in that aircraft that uh, caught on fire and crashed into the ocean. He wasn't the same person. But then he revealed to me this secret. He said, all who are resurrected are damned in a state of resurrection unless they're exalted. And that in order for them to progress, there is an opportunity for them when a new earth is created to put off the resurrection and go into a new probation on a new earth to gain the experiences needed for a higher resurrection. That it is true that we are damned in a state of resurrection, but we can put the resurrection off and become a spirit again without the body and go on to a new earth. That is how God revealed to me this idea of eternal lives or multiple mortal probations, as some have said or as some have coined the term for it. But he said that there was more to it than that, and he never revealed to me what that was. So I'm still trying to understand those things, but these things, God gave me this mystery. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a mystery, you know? And um, it's true that when he gives us mysteries that we're not supposed to reveal them unless we're the one that is to reveal them. So what I'm talking about here is Nephi saw all that John saw. But God told Nephi that he would not, it was not his to reveal. It was for John, who wasn't even born at that time. But John is the one that would reveal the things that Nephi saw. Well, much in the same light, I believe that Joseph Smith was revealed many of these things that I have been revealed. I don't know if he understood it completely, like I don't understand it completely, but I think that God has revealed it more fully to me <clears throat> than Joseph Smith, but I don't know. That's a speculation on my part, but it was for me to reveal. So much the same way Nephi was revealed many things, but he was he was told not to speak about them because it was for John. Well, I'm John. 
I'm like John. I'm not John. Um, and in fact, I've had a lot of people try to tell me I'm different individuals in the scriptures. And um, I don't know anything about any of that. I know who I am today. My name is Mark Tyson Trent Lichtenwalter. I was born in June of 1977. I do not think that I have been on this earth before. And whether or not I'm Enoch or Elijah or anybody else, it does not matter to me. What matters to me is who I am today. And I don't, I don't think that I'm any of those people. So just to get that out of the way, um, these individuals who, when God reveal or when God raises up a prophet, he'll raise up false prophets and those false prophets will have this deeper doctrine, but then they'll try to, they'll try to spin it and get people to believe that there are all these things and that this false prophet has this power that God gave him to reveal these things and whatnot. And um, that those false prophets uh, to the elect may, may fool the elect. Um, but it's the fruits that you have to see from these false prophets. And, and sometimes the fruits are a little bit harder to, to detect, but eventually they all come out. So, for instance, this individual who, uh, oh, I can't remember what his name is now, but um, Dave, the Daybells, the Daybell case, if anybody knows about that huge fiasco, the guy was telling people that they were uh, all kinds of different people. And he was basically uh, getting people to have an ego about themselves. <laughs> which I've been accused of as well, that I have this ego because I reveal who I am completely and fully and I'm not holding back because God told me to be to bear a strong witness and to teach the people and to reveal these things. So that's what I do. I'm not doing it for power. I'm not doing it for money. I'm doing it for God. I'm not even doing it for myself. Um... I am very happy that God has revealed to me some of the things that he's revealed to me, but now it's my job to teach the people, and uh, that's more work than I want to do, and and I, I've been doing it because I'm being obedient, and I love God, and I don't know why God needs these things revealed. Or wants these things revealed, but he did reveal it to me, and he told me in 2013 when he told me who I am, or he actually showed me who I am and why I was called in pre-existence to be foreordained to this position in these last days. Um, he told me to go forth with bold a bold witness and to teach the people. So that's what I'm doing. Uh, if it was up to me, you wouldn't even know who I am. I don't care if you know me. I don't want your worship or your money or, or anything. Um, there's one person who has known me for many years, and God told him to send me tithing. And I keep telling him I don't want it. 
And in fact, one time, not long ago, I told him, I don't want your money. Stop sending it to me. Because I've told him this for years. And he contacted me and he said, who am I supposed to send it to? I said, I don't know. Feed the poor. You know, like help somebody else out. And this man's poor himself. He give, he sends me tithing of $30 a month because he makes money um, doing surveys and he doesn't make a lot of money. He sends me $30 a month. Between me and my wife, we make over $100,000 a year. I don't want his money. But he was very upset because he told me God told him to send me that tithing. So he sends it to me. And I accept it and I put it back into the work of the ministry. But I don't want it. And I don't want your money. And I don't want your worship. And I don't want power over you or anything else. But these individuals, like the Daybells, they did want power and authority over people. Uh, they wanted sexual things, and there was a whole bunch of crazy things going on with these individuals. That's not what I'm about. I don't want that. Like I said, I don't even want people to worship me. Like, I feel completely inadequate uh, to do the work that God has called me to do, and I don't want to do it. But I'm doing it because God re- God wants me to do it, and I'm going to be obedient to Him, even through the death threats. And yes, I have received death threats, even through the threats, even through the loss of jobs, um, even through the harassment. I'm doing it because God wants me to, not for myself. Anyway, continuing on. David sought repentance at the hands of God carefully with tears for the murder of Uriah, but he could only get it through hell. He got a promise that his soul should be, should not be left in hell, and that's Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 339. And one other thing, real quick. I don't think it goes through this. I, I read this, the text before the recording a couple of times. And maybe I missed it. But I think the author is trying to show that David is, is Jesus Christ. But, like, these individuals who come to this idea and this conclusion that what they're thinking is right. And they have to make whatever scripture prove whatever it is that they believe um, they often ignore ignore the scriptures Peter taught that David's sepulcher was still with us his grave is still with us when all of the other prophets and apostles were resurrected David was left in hell because what David did he has to pay for himself and he will not be resurrected until the final resurrection and then he will come forth um daniel chapter 12 talks about the resurrection of the just and the unjust that's where david that the resurrection of the unjust is what david is waiting for 
so this idea that David is somebody who is popping up from time to time in human history is incorrect. He doesn't get uh, a weekend pass to earth when he's paying for the murder of Uriah in hell or spirit prison. So, um, but the author doesn't really talk about that. I'm just bringing it up because I am going, when I commit to read a book, I commit to read all of it. And I'll give you the commentary with the reading. Just because I read a book doesn't mean I agree with everything that's in it. But it's kind of a springboard for me to talk about the things that God has revealed to me uh, and teach it from Scripture, but also show that there are interpretation of Scripture that um, that isn't always correct. So we're gonna, you know, delve into different things or whatever, and and uh, we'll we'll read what the author has to say, and you can make your own decision because you shouldn't be trusting in me; you should be taking this to God. But I feel like this is partly studying it out. And I'm helping people to study it out, especially if they're interested in these type of things. So let's see here. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassed my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whether shall I go from thy spirit? Or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up on too high, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Psalms chapter 39, verses 2 through 8. And I, I believe that last part is he's in hell in the fact that those who are in hell remember his name. Not that he's actually in hell himself. Anyway, so continuing on. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee, when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance yet being imperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which is continuance in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sands when I awake. I am still with thee. Psalms chapter 39, verses 13 through 18. Now we're going to go into the scriptures about the rod of Jesse, which uh, is talked about first. The first instance is talked about in Isaiah chapter 11. 
Let me see here. Um, but it's also talked about in Second Nephi, and this is what we're going to be quoting today. There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and mind, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his coming shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his reins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Second Nephi chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. Get a little drink of my A&W there. What is the rod spoken of in the first verse of the 11th chapter of Isaiah that should come of the stem of Jesse? Behold, thus saith the Lord, it is a servant in the hands of Christ who who is partly a descendant of Jesse as well as of Ephraim, or of the house of Joseph, on whom there is laid much power. Doctrine and Covenants section 113 verses 3 through 4. Note how Nephi uses the phrase, the Lord God, when describing the same attributes that Isaiah assigned to the rod of Jesse. So Jesse was the father of David. So this individual will come forth from the loins of David. Um, So anyway, continuing on, basically his genealogy has David in it. And it came to pass that the Lord God shall commence his work among all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people to bring about the restoration of his people upon the earth. And with righteousness shall the Lord God judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. For the time speedily cometh that the Lord God shall cause a great division among the people, and the wicked will he destroy, and he will spare his people, even if it it so be that he must destroy the wicked by fire, and righteousness will be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Second Nephi chapter 30 verses 8 through 11. The root of Jesse. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people, to it shall the Gentiles seek. And his rest shall be glorious, and his and it shall come to pass that that in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Syria, and from Egypt, and from Pathros, and from Cush, and from Elam, 
and from Shinar, and from Hamath, and from the islands of the sea, or the isles of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations, and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel, and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. 2 Nephi chapter 21 verses 10 through 12. What is the root of Jesse in the 10th verse of the 11th chapter of Isaiah? Behold, thus saith the Lord, it is a descendant of Jesse as well as of Joseph, unto whom rightly belongs the priesthood and the keys of the kingdom for an ensign and for the gathering of my people in the last days. Doctrine and Covenants section 113 verses 5 through 6. Now note what is said about Christ. Okay, this drives me a little bit nuts. I'm going to read this and then I'm going to talk to you about some things that God revealed to me. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to the to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Revelations chapter 5, verse 5. In Revelations chapter 22, verse 16, it says, I, Jesus, ha have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, and the bright and morning star. Revelations chapter 22, verse 16. Joseph Smith said, and, it's, and it is said to be eternal life, to know the only wise God and Jesus whom he hath sent. I will tell you one thing, as Brother Hyde has said, it would be ex an excellent plan for us to go to work and find out ourselves, as for as sure as you find out yourselves, you will find out God, whether you are a saint or a sinner. A man cannot find out himself with, without the light of revelation. He has to turn around and seek the Lord his God in order to find out himself. Meaning, in order to know who you really are. This life is a sliver of who you really are. A, a, a sliver in, in, in an oak or, or in a redwood tree. You have no idea who you really are. You really don't. You know something about who you are. Because of the experiences in this life, you have uh, been set in a course to learn certain things and go through certain experiences. But your life is eternal. You were not created just to come onto this earth. You've been around for a very long time. Even the youngest among you have been around for a very long time. All right, let's see. If you find out who Joseph was, you will know as much about God as you need to at present. For if he said, I am a God to this people, he did not say that he was the only wise God. Jesus was a God to the people when he was upon the earth. And it was so before he came to this earth. And yet and is yet. Moses was a god to the children of Israel. That's true. Moses was an Elohim or a mighty one to the children of Israel. 
and in this manner you may go back right back to Father Adam. Journal of Discourses, Volume 4, page 271, Brigham Young speaking about Joseph Smith. All right, real quick. <laughs> real quick. I'm trying to, like, figure out how to talk about this. I don't know. There's so many different things. Okay, so real quick. <laughs> um, the stem of Jesse, which is spoken of in Isaiah chapter 11, which is also talked about in Isaiah chapter or in uh, Doctrine and Covenants section 113, when Joseph Smith says, "Who or what is the stem of Jesse?" Jesus Christ tells him. He is Christ. He doesn't say he is the Christ. He doesn't say he is me. He doesn't say Jesus Christ. He simply says Christ. Well, there's two words that you need to study out in depth from many different sources and take it to God. The first one is Elohim and see what that really means. It doesn't mean what you think it means. There are many in uh, many uh, false gods there are many prophets there are judges there are different Moses they, they were all called Elohim what does that mean the Jews say it means mighty one some individuals say that El is a singular for God and Elohim is the plural for gods and that's true but what does it really mean don't just stop Right there, go into the word and delve into the word. What does it mean? And why was it used by by God to describe different individuals who lived during Old Testament times? Why is it to de- why is it used that word used to describe pagan gods? Okay, and the other word that um, that you really need to study is Christ. Where does that word come from? It's the Greek of Hamashiach, which is Hebrew, or Messiah, which is Aramaic. What does it mean? What other things besides Jesus were called Christ in the scriptures? There was a pagan king who rescued the Jews out of Babylon. Isaiah, many years before before you know, before Daniel was born or Nebuchadnezzar, he saw Cyrus the Great and called him a Messiah or a Christ. What does that mean? The things, the holy temple, the, the furniture and the utensils in the holy temple were called Mashiach or Christ, anointed one, Messiah. Jesus Christ is not his name. Yeshua ben Yosef was his name on the earth, but it should have been Yeshua ben Yehoshua, or not Yehoshua, um, Yehovah, Yeshua ben Yehovah, because Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Or maybe it would have been 
Yeshua ben Michael. But Jesus Christ was the Messiah. He was the King Messiah. Doesn't mean he's the only Christ. There are false Christs too, but God called through Isaiah Cyrus a Christ. David, the one who murdered Uriah, was an anointed one and he was a Christ. See, Jesus Christ is a Christ, but he's so much more than that. He is our Redeemer. He's our Savior. He is our King. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Christianity, they don't understand what it means to be a Christ. And I don't think that that uh, people of the Restoration understand these things either. Especially the Latter-day Saints. So let's get back to Isaiah chapter 11, talking about the stem of Jesse and Joseph Smith asking God what this means and it being recorded in Doctrine and Covenants section 113, who is Christ, or who is the stem. Jesus says, Verily I say unto the stem is Christ, but he doesn't say he's the stem and he doesn't say that some, that's not how it works, right? Well, when Moroni came to Joseph Smith the first time, he said that these things, Isaiah chapter 11, was about to, to come to pass. And in his time frame, his immortal time frame, that, that's right around the corner. For us, it's a hundred and something years or whatever, but 200 years. <laughs> but he says that the man of Acts chapter... 3, 22 and 23 is Christ so Acts chapter 3 is after the resurrection this man is Christ but the day had not yet come when he would be rejected by his people Jesus Christ had already been rejected by his people this scripture is after the resurrection. So who is it talking about? Jesus says, Verily I say unto it is Christ, but he doesn't say specifically who that is. If you understood the meaning of the word Christ, you would understand that there are more than one. Cyrus was one. Cyrus was a pagan, but he was anointed by God. But, and Joseph Smith he was told by Moroni that this man is Christ, but the day had not yet come when he would be rejected by his people. Well, who are his people? If Jesus Christ had already been rejected by his people, who is this individual? It is Messiah ben Joseph, the second witness of the Father. Who is rejected by the majority of his people? It's not Joseph Smith who was accepted by the majority of his people, who is still accepted by the majority of his people. This individual whom Moroni saw would be rejected by his people. 
Acts chapter 3, 22 and 23 is talking about the man like unto Moses, who Jesus Christ was one of them, a man like unto Moses. Messiah ben Joseph is also a man like unto Moses. What did Moses do? He delivered the sons and daughters of, of Abraham, of Jacob, from Mitzurim or Egypt. He delivered them from bondage. He was a Messiah. Moses was a Messiah. Because that's what Messiahs do. Cyrus delivered the people from bondage. Jesus Christ delivered you from the bondage of death and hell. He was a Messiah. He's a Savior. Moses was a Savior on Mount Zion. Cyrus, the pagan king, was a Savior on Mount Zion. Messiah ben Joseph will deliver you from the bondage of Babylon the Great as it falls. He will lead the remnant that Isaiah talked about so much in his scriptures, in those chapters. That's what Messiah ben Joseph does. Who would be rejected by the majority of his people? So, anyway... um, there's two words. You you should take some time to understand fully, not from not from one source, not from one group of people. Read it out, study it out, take it to God, figure it out, ask God for revelation and confirmation of the Spirit. What does Elohim mean? What does Messiah or Christ mean? And I'll I'll let you get to that. But continuing on with the reading, my servant, you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, or saith Jehovah, our Elohim, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. Isaiah chapter 2. Uh, 43 verse uh, 10. Now the next chapter that we're going to get to is chapter 22, but I'm not going to leave that last scripture without some commentary on this. Many years ago, I, as a child, learned all about the Big Bang Theory, which has been disproved by the new high-tech telescope, um, the James E. Who knows? It's the one that replaced the Hubble telescope. They they can look so far out into the, the distance that they've disproven the Big Bang Theory completely. It's It's been whatever. But when I was growing up back in the 70s and 80s and 90s, I was taught evolution and the Big Bang Theory in schools. But I knew that there was a God because I had so many spiritual experiences as a child. I understood that there was a Lucifer or a Satan. I understood that there were things beyond my my carnal understanding. And I wanted to understand them. And, and this thing about the Big Bang just really trips me up a lot. Even into my 20s. And I would sit there in my semi-truck... Um, I've been a driver since 1995, except for my mission. Yes, I'm a return missionary for the LDS Church. 
Um, when I came home, I was a truck driver again, and I went over the road, and I spent many years in isolation on the road. If you're a truck driver, you completely understand what that means. Especially if you're an over-the-road guy. <laughs> anyway, but I, I was very lonely, but I used that time to study scripture and to hear the words of the prophets and apostles of the, of the LDS church and also the scriptures. In fact, I used to have all of the scriptures and on audio cassette, and I would put a tape in, uh, in the tape deck, and um, it was kind of cool because I had a CD player or I had a, um, a satellite radio that I, I wired into the speakers as well. So I could put like classical music on or, or some smooth jazz or something or some whatever just to have some music in the background. Kind of like I'm doing with the video and the Gregorian chant music that you're hearing in the background. Hopefully you hear it. Um, but I would, I would spend hours just listening to the scriptures and when I would, I I might let it flip a couple of times. I might listen to one tape all day long. I'd take it out and I would put a little tick mark with my, uh, with my permanent marker and, and put it on both sides and then I'd put it back into the tape, um, storage thing that I had and and then I would listen to another one or whatever um, but I would listen to scriptures and I would ponder over things and one of the things I really pondered over was God where were you before the big bang and I was trying to understand it and trying to wrap my mind about around about this and one day I was sitting there and I was just contemplating and trying and like giving myself a headache, trying to think really hard about what this meant and like asking God, where, where was he? Like, how does this work? You know, and God took me up in the spirit, like an out of body experience, which, which by the way, they're awesome. Like, I love it. The, the pain and the density of, of my body, I, I have pain all the time. 24-7. Always have since I was a kid. But the pain and the density of my body was was gone, and I was just, I was in the spirit, and God was taking me up. I should say Michael was taking me up. And... I saw this cloud of light, and we were in space, long ways away, and I was seeing the pa- a vision of the past, basically. And I saw this really large cloud, cloud of light in space, like a nebulous cloud or something. And I came, God and I, Michael, and I came into the cloud, and he said, look, and I looked, and there was a flash of light. And I saw an orb of light separate into two orbs. And Michael said, this is how spirits are born. This is the intelligence. When the intelligence becomes self-aware, the feminine and the masculine energies, they separate into two spirits, one male and one female. And God 
Michael is a god, whether or not you want to admit that, whether or not you understand that, and, and go into the word Elohim and learn that. I'm not going to get into that in this program, but Michael told me that what I was seeing was a vision of the birth of God the Eternal Father and God the Eternal Mother. And that they are eternal in that they come from the same essence or intelligence that we come from. He also told me that the elements of the universe and the energy of the universe and the laws that govern them are eternal. They were not created. They can be manipulated. But they were not created out of nothing. And that in the process of time, God the Eternal Father and God the Eternal Mother helped others of the intelligence to become self-aware and they would separate into a male and a female spirit. And this is where the spirits come from. They start off as energy. They're orbs of light. In the process of time, God the Father and God the Eternal Mother learned to control and manipulate the elements, matter, energy. And they devised, a, they figured out a way to use the flesh for the spirit to inhabit. So these bodies, like I feel it, that's, that is something that is useful in life. If you feel your body, if you're getting hurt, you can feel that and you can try to escape whatever's hurting you or whatever. But they figured out how to use these the this this these elements that we use that we call our bodies to put the spirit into so that we and basically it's kind of like you have to go into space using a spacesuit. You have to go into the depths of the ocean using an ocean or like a deep submersible or a, a, a suit to put on. These bodies are our spirit suits. I, call, I like to call them earth ships because the spirit cannot easily intermingle with the matter and control and manipulate matter without them. But this has been a process of time throughout all of eternity. And our father, Adam, Adam, Amen, and Hava, Amen, God the Eternal Father and God the Eternal Mother, they stand together as one. They are one in, um, like my wife and I are together are one. Except for more so with those two. Under them are the exalted ones who are called Elohims and we call them gods. But God the Father and God the Mother were first and there are none above them and there are none aside them. But there are many under them who are exalted gods or Elohim or the council of the Elohim. So when Isaiah is hearing this, Isaiah 43, verse 10, this is God the Eternal Father speaking, not Yehovah our Elohim. Now, I have only seen 
God, the Eternal Father, and the Eternal Mother in a spiritual vision where I was taken up out of the body in the spirit and I was shown the past. I was never shown the present. I was explained that, well, I was explained many things about them I'm going to talk about right now, but when you begin to understand the progression of the gods and who the Elohim are, yeah, they're a plural, and who Christ is or who what what a Christ is and all of these things, you begin to put the pieces together. Many people are at an ABC understanding, a kindergarten understanding of scriptures. But there's so much more. And God says that there's mysteries in the New Testament. It talks about some of the mysteries. It doesn't say what they are, but it says that they're there. There are mysteries. Because all that we know is one-tenth of a percent of all that there is to know. And not even, like, one-tenth of a percent is, is too enormous to even get your mind to comprehend. There's so much more to this than, than what you know. There's a veil to protect us from remembering our eternal lives so that we can focus on this life and what we're going to do with this life. What kind of experiences are we going to have in this life which will help us to gain a higher resurrection? That's eternal lives and that's eternal progression. And we're all on Jacob's ladder. We are all ascending, hopefully not descending. But even if we are descending, every single experience in each one of these mortal lives that we live on, each of these planets that we live on, it is essential for our growth and eventual exaltation. And I'm, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to share these things with you. And I say these things in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. Amen. Thank you for listening, everyone. Take care. God bless. And goodbye.